the hand of the Lord was upon me, prophet Ezekiel. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among those bones and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then, then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these that have been slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and they stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. Then I will open your graves, and when you, when you are brought out of them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You will know that I have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. We don't want to admit it, oh God, but most of us in this place this morning are dry. If we really are honest with ourselves and with you, oh God, we need the breath of life. I pray, oh God, that you would help us to let go so that you might breathe life into us. Let this be a time of revival, of refreshment for each one of us. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that was Ezekiel 37, 
a passage that a lot of us know very well. But you need to know several things. First of all, it was written when the Israelite people had scattered to many surrounding nations, and some of them had been taken into slavery, into captivity in Babylon. And Ezekiel, their peer, was, was the one that God called to speak the word of truth to them as they were being held captive in Babylon. And this was the hope of God, that someday they would be returned to their city of Jerusalem, that someday they would be revived as a nation. It also is prophesying to what yet is going to happen when the Jewish nation... Um, the blinders off of their eyes are going to, you know what I'm trying to say, the blinders will be removed from their eyes and they will see that Jesus is Messiah and Savior. This also speaks to us as the church. Anytime we read about Israel in Scripture, it is talking spiritually to us about the ch our church today. And really, it's a vision for us. It's good news. God can bring revival. I'll just say God is bringing revival to some unmotivated, perhaps inanimate, lifeless congregations and did you hear the promise that those who feel defeated, those who are slain, those who are experiencing death emotionally, spiritually, and physically are going to be revived? And that statement you need to hear, there is an army rising up. You and I are part of the army, my dear friends. We've got a job to do. And thirdly, this speaks to us personally. That passage, oh my goodness, when it says, where are we? Uh, mm, my eyes are kind of teary, so I can't even focus. Verse 11 of Ezekiel 37. The whole house of Israel says, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. As I prayed, if we're really honest, a lot of us are in this place today. We feel dry. We feel that we're not getting the refreshment that we need from God. We feel cut off. We perhaps are even experiencing something that we feel that God has distanced from us or cut himself off from us. And this is God's good news to us. It's his reminder that all we have to do is open up to him and say, I can't do this on my own. I am in a dry season because of life choices that I've made, because of, of external life circumstances, the stuff that's happening to the, my loved ones all around me, what's happening in our world today. I am dry and I can't do this by myself any longer. Are you there? Some of you are, I know it, and if you are not there personally in that dry season, then you know friends and loved ones who are saying, these bones are dry, I ain't got nothing. We're going to claim the word of the Lord today. We're going to claim that through Jesus Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit that we have once we are believers, it's alive and well, Jesus wants to breathe into us.
new life. Jesus wants to revive us when we stop trying to do everything on our own and we say, I ain't got nothing. That's when the Holy Spirit can truly breathe in us and make our bones come to life in such a way that we can keep our eyes on Jesus, Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is our life force. Let's go back to Isaiah 42. This was a chapter where, where the prophet Isaiah was talking about uh, Messiah Jesus coming. Verse 5, this is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. This is our lineage, our legacy. I will help you to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. And before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Katie, thank you. You sang so powerfully. One of the statements in her song was, We know there is more to come that we may not yet see. We need to stand in agreement on that, that when you and I are in those dry places, when our bones are so dry, we don't know how to live life, that that's where we stand firm and allow God's breath of life. It's that Hebrew word ruach, which means wind, but it's also enabler of fire. The fire of our souls, awake, awake my soul. That's when we allow God to breathe new life into us. You see, we have to have the courage to stand on faith that God will breathe new life into us. I'm going to call Eddie Millines to come up. He, he, you know how he's such an obedient servant of the Lord, and he heard from God that... Uh, Come on up here, Eddie, that he's, he's got a word, and it fits very well with this passage today. Thank you. No, I'm going to stay up here with you. Good morning. Good to be with y'all this morning. Sometimes the hardest part about me doing this is making friends with the microphone. Can everybody hear me all right? Okay, all right. Uh, I didn't really volunteer to do this. God tapped me on the shoulder a few months ago, and he said, I got something I want you to share with the group. And I began to pray about it. And I said, uh, okay, you want me to share? What is it you want me to share? And he said, I want you to share the story of the old violin. And I said, well, I can do that. Uh, I like the story of the old violin. But I want y'all to know something. There's been more to it than that. There's been a lot more to it than that. So here we go. The story of the old violin. This family 
it seems, inherited an old violin. It was kind of a surprise. Uh, some great, great uncle had left the old violin to a family, and it was in the will that when that family was gone, the next family would inherit the old violin. The only problem was, didn't nobody know how to play the violin. And to be quite honest, they were in need of money worse than they were in need of the violin. So they decided what they'd do would auction off the old violin. So they carried it to an auction. The auctioneer had it on a table, and they began to take bids on the old violin. And to tell you the truth, the bidding was going mighty poorly. I mean, this was a pretty nice instrument. It was not a Stradivarius, but it was a pretty nice instrument. And while all this was going on, there was an old man got up off the back of the room and he started working his way up to the front. And the room fell silent. And everybody thought that this old man was going to make some kind of fabulous bid on the old violin. But what he did, he picked up that violin and he put it to his cheek and he put the bow to it and he began to play the most beautiful music anybody had ever heard in their entire life. And when he finished his piece of music, he laid the violin back down on the table and the room was silent for about a minute and then slowly but surely, the auctioneer began to take bids once again. And this old violin that had been worth practically nothing suddenly became worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And the deciding factor, that which made all of the difference in the world, was the touch of the master's hand. I want you all to know something. I come here every Sunday morning. I see what I call heroes. And most time you think about a hero as somebody that saves somebody from drowning or maybe they go into a fire and drag somebody out right in the nick of time. But the heroes that I see here every Sunday morning perform a different kind of heroics than that. These heroes kiss boo-boos, and they put bandages on them, and they give bottles, and they change diapers in the middle of the night, and they rock little fellas to sleep. And about the only reward they'll ever get for it is some little fella about this tall calls you mama and daddy. And you know what? That's reward enough for all of y'all that I know. And I look at y'all, and I see the touch of the master's hand. I come here and I hear this praise band, all this beautiful music. I come here, and I am overwhelmed, and I come to the realization that this music is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And I look, and I'm made aware of the touch of the master's hand. And all y'all young people, I want you to know something. I love y'all. I'm talking about these kids. But I can't possibly love you anywhere near as much as God loves you. And so many times I come here and I see people come down to this altar just desperate for prayer. And I see all these kids come down and put hands on them and lay hands on them and pray for them in accordance to the Scripture. And I want y'all to know something. I am made aware of the touch of the Master's hand. Here a while back, Maria preached a beautiful sermon. She was told about, uh, come and, uh, she said, taste and see the goodness of God. And in the story, she told about Mephibosheth. I love the story of Mephibosheth. I have been Mephibosheth. We all have been Mephibosheth. 
a washing our sins without help, help, without hope. But like Mephibosheth, we have been invited to the table of a king. Not for just one day, but forever and ever and ever. And I look at this communion table, and I'm made aware of the touch of the master's hand. Here a while back, I think it was Easter Sunday, Joanne poured her heart out to us about some of the mistakes that she had made in her life. Mistakes that are not uncommon to any of us. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And she went on to tell about this physical uh, sickness that she had. And she told about a miraculous healing. Not only a spirit, or not only a physical healing, but a spiritual healing as well. And she says, I'm not I'm not like this anymore. I'm like this. I have my arms raised up. And I'm ready to receive that which my Father in heaven has for me because I have been made anew. And she quoted a scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made anew. And I look at the communion table, and I think about that old rugged, blood-spattered cross, and I think about that broken body, the price that would pay so we can have that. But I can't help but think about that empty tomb and that glorious, resurrected Savior. And I think about communion, and I'm made aware of the touch of the Master's hand. I want to have just a short prayer before we go into communion. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We adore you. We love you. And at this moment, Heavenly Father, I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit that as we go into communion, each and every one of us here today will be made aware of the touch of the Master's hand. Amen. What an obedient servant of God. Thank you, Eddie. See, it all fits together. Dry bones in need of refreshment, in need of the touch of a master's hand, the master's hand. So you've noticed we've designed this service quite a bit differently this morning because we felt that there was such a need for response today. We're going to spend time in worship as we ask the Holy Spirit's presence to be with us. And then I want you to respond in your own way. When the time comes, some of you may want to come to receive the sacrament first. Some of you may feel led to just bow down at the altar and say, I am dry and I need you to breathe life. I want to come alive in you. Some of you may not even be able to do that on your own. Some of you may need somebody to pray with you. And I know Eddie is going to be over there with with Hayes, good. And then Ryan and Alexis are going to be over on that side. There's, it's, it may be kind of chaotic because the ushers aren't going to direct you. 
but that's intentional because I feel like we each have a personal response to God this morning. And this is where my prayer is that you would be completely honest with yourself and with God. That's why it's going to, we've designed it to feel a little bit discombobulated because until we have order in our lives submitting to divine authority and God's will for us, we're going to feel discombobulated. So let me lead you in a simple remembrance. Jesus knew what he was about to do. He was heading to the cross, so he met with his friends for one last time. And he he engaged them in such a way, more powerfully probably than ever before. He, he took the, the bread, the stuff that they were used to in a Passover meal. But he made that ordinary stuff become extraordinary when he said, This is my body, broken for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. And then that wine that they shared, he, he explained to them that this is going to be different because of what I am about to do, there will be a whole new lease on life, a whole new cover, covenant through my blood. So every time you drink, remember me. A dear brother in Christ recently took it one step further, and he said, you know, every time we come to the table, Christ reveals himself to us personally. But then we have an obligation moving forward as the church. And he says, think about this. Jesus is saying to you and to me, be my memory. Be my memory. So it's all-encompassing. I feel sure that each one of us should worship and receive. Some of us need to let go of some stuff. We want to receive the fresh breath of God. We want to receive refreshment, a reminder of what Jesus did for us so that we might live. I'm just going to leave this very open-ended so that you and I can respond as the Holy Spirit is leading us.